This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. I'm back, baby! I'm back! The boys are back in town! turned around guys we are back baby we are back we are back classic we are back we are back we are getting back and we're the three best friends that anybody could have we're the three best friends that anyone could have we're the three best friends that anyone could have and we'll never ever 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 leave each other have all four sidekicks ever been in the same place at the same time? Don't call us sidekicks. Not after today. I'm back in business, baby! Why let them tell us what to do? It's simple. Get on board or get out of the way. You just don't get it, do you? You went off mission. That was a huge mistake. Impulse? That's so crash! I'm back, baby! Why Hello, everyone. Welcome to wept? episode six of Everyone Loves Young Justice podcast. This podcast is brought to you and hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. You can find us on social media. We are on Twitter at ELYJ Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash E-L-Y-J-Pod. And you can email into the show, and we're going to start reading. I know I've been saying it for a little bit. Things have been really crazy. But we're going to start reading your emails and iTunes reviews. If you want to email into the show, you can do so at E-L-Y-J-Podcast at yahoo.com. And like I said about iTunes, if you listen on iTunes, leave a review on iTunes, and that'll help spread the word of the show as we're only six episodes in trying to build some momentum here. Uh, we will read your reviews on the show, and we're going to start doing that really soon. Like, my name is Rob, and I'm getting ready to introduce Jay. And this is another punch-in episode recording of an intro that really didn't exist at the time that we recorded it. There was a temp track for an intro there. We just weren't sure what the number of episode or the episode count was going to be. Uh, this is the final recording that Jay and I had done last year, right around December, I think December 18th was our big recording session that we had done right before Christmas. So we recorded essentially about three or four episodes all in one gigantic three hour, almost four hour recording chunk. So because of Jay and I's schedules, uh, trying to get together through the first part of 2019, we knew we were going to have some hit or misses. So we were glad that we had a bank of episodes to kind of fall back on. Uh, currently, we are going to be almost three issues behind 
on the 2019 version of Young Justice by the time this episode comes out. So we do have another big recording session ahead of us. I think the three issues of Young Justice will actually, the 2019 version will work out really well for Jay and I, that we can talk about three issues in a nice chunk for a decent sized episode. And then I think we're going to jump back and do another marathon, you know, uh, 1998 Young Justice recording session. So as the 2019 books come out, we can intermix and have a nice backlog. So that's the rambling at the beginning of this episode. So in two seconds, I'm going to get ready and introduce Jay. So let's just do that. Three, two, one, Jay Oz, go. And with me today is Jay Yaws. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, Rob. How about yourself? Not too bad. We're into 2019. Can you believe it? I feel like 2018 just kind of zipped by. And I know it's kind of cliche that everyone says, like, usually like right around when Thanksgiving hits, and you start getting into the Christmas season. People start going, man, this year just went by so fast. I really feel like 2018, we were down to like two weeks before Christmas. And I started going like, I have half of my Christmas stuff I have yet to buy peek behind the curtain it's still 2018 it is two weeks before christmas so like the year has just zipped by so i would imagine your christmas is going to be well or has been well how have you been uh, preparing for the, the christmas season in 2018 um how can i answer this question because i'm gonna say my wife and i collaborate a lot on buying things and preparing things for christmas and we have a good collaborative gift giving and gift buying strategy set up that's that's pretty much code for me saying that you know i'll get i'll get things for people but the decorating and actually mailing things out that my wife is much better at that so uh so, yeah so so uh, <laughs> uh they often are which uh, makes me glad that we've both married up you and me <laughs> yes. have uh, married up with our wives so yeah. uh, my my mother tells me all the time do not mess this up <laughs> she is she is the single best thing that's happened to you and we yes. don't want you back we love you but we don't want you back <laughs> No, uh, but no, it's it's been it's been good. Yeah, I mean, there there were parts of 2018 that felt like they lasted 10 years, and then there were some parts yeah. that were over before they even started. So, um, uh, being into a new year, going into a new year now, kind of kind of surreal. But with this project and uh, some other comics related projects I've got going on and everything, you know, really excited for what 2019 holds. Yeah, well, let's get right into it. Um, this was a book that I've had in my collection, and I guess I really wasn't paying attention. Like some of the annuals and things like that, sometimes they fit into the story. And usually into the early part of the 90s and 2000s, the annuals were just one-off things, or the annuals were tied into an annual story that was going from all the books, but didn't necessarily tie into the main narrative so you know when i was putting like all my books together i would just do all numerically and maybe i'd put the annuals at the back of the main books i'm like oh if this mm -hmm. really didn't tie into the story then i just would usually throw those at the end so i didn't realize that this early in the story that they get this dc 1 million story like right after issue two before you go into issue three and i didn't realize that until i bought the newest trade uh, that came out. I didn't have the old trade, and that you know here it sits right, right after issue two, and for this whole entire time, I 
maybe I should have paid attention to the numbering, but when I would get an annual or something like that, I'm like, eh, I'll read it later, you know, when I get a chance. So I never filed it back where it fit as far as the year goes. So when we were putting the show together and I said, oh, maybe we'll kick off DC 1 million to later for Young Justice, you're like, oh, yeah, but I would like to circle around back to that. I was like, I did not read much of the DC 1 million stuff, not even the Robin book. So this was the very first time that I ever read this in prep for the show. So out of all the Young Justice books that I have, this was something I always ended up skipping because I was like, oh, you know, I'll read it later. I didn't want to read about Robot Robin and, you know, all that stuff. I absolutely loved this story. So I'm going to let you take the lead seat in this, sir. So take us away for uh, DC 1 million. Well, you actually answered the first question I was going to ask, which was <laughs> how familiar are you with DC 1 million and have you read it? I love this crossover and this whole story. I actually have the, I mentioned the last episode that I had the Jack Kirby fourth world omnibus, which I got for $60 at comic con last year. Um, like wow, I talked to steal dude. Yeah. I talked a guy down to it. It was like half off <laughs> and it, it was like $75 half off. So, I mean, even then, you know, that's still pretty good for the entirety yeah. of the Forever People, New Gods, Mr. Miracle, The Hunger Dogs, and even a lot of uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, where you see a lot of like uh, uh, characters that show up in some of the Young Justice members' books, like Double X and Guardian and uh, you know Cadmus and uh, things like that. But the this one booth, they had like four or five copies of this omnibus. And I'm like, okay, I know you don't want to lug all of those back, how low would you be willing to go to sell that to me? And they, they went down to 60 and I gave him $60 cash. So yeah, I have that, but this is not about the new gods or the fourth world. This is about DC 1 million, which I also owned the omnibus of, <laughs> and also got it for a deal at a half price books when it was already marked down half. And then I had an additional 50% off coupon. So I got this trade or this omnibus for like $25 and it is massive and it is amazing and it is super weird and Grant Morrison's name is on the cover in big yellow letters so that will tell you all you need to know and whether you're going to love it or probably you know hate it if you're not a fan of Morrison but I love the crossover and the uh, uh, the whole event it actually ties in with All-Star Superman which uh, I mean, I'm I'm sure you would agree yes. with me is the best Superman story ever written. That's that, a great story. Yes. I love that story. There there's some tie-ins with it, so it's uh it's really cool. You're selling me on this, by the way. Like I I'm staring online at the uh omnibus. And this makes perfect sense. And I think it was Ar the Batman Arkham Origins game that the Batman one million costume is a playable mm -hmm. skin in that game. I remember going, I don't I don't understand this costume. It was the only costume that I had no idea. I ran, ran around in it for a while, and my wife was watching me play one day. She's like, what Batman is that? And I said, I have no idea. Not at all. And that, that, now I feel bad. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get schooled on this, sir. But, but what's funny is the main story is great, but it's the issues like this one, like the Young Justice one, that are a little more standalone, that, that really set it apart. Because 
everything is contextualized like you're in the 853rd century watching like a um like a vid net i think is what they call it of just yeah. previous exploits of superheroes so there's a lot of good context in the introductions of these anyway but then they just go off on how crazy and weird can we be i'll uh, give a little summary of what the whole 1 million story is but with young justice in particular you have the millionth clone of Superboy who looks like Superboy if he was also part of the OMAC project with the yes. massive mohawk. Uh, which, I was going to ask if there's any connection to that at all. Yeah, I don't remember if there is in the Superboy 1 million issue. It's, it's been a while since I've read it. But I mean, I know, I know that he looks the same. And I think they do reference it because I think he's still part of Cadmus. So okay. there's going to be some OMAC tie in there. Impulse is effectively how I believe they describe him as uh, the physical embodiment of the hyperactive energies of members of the Speed Force. And then <laughs> almost too perfect. Robin is a robot named Robin the Toy Wonder. And it, it's that's, just, it, that's awesome. It's just great. But no, this uh the main idea of DC 1 million is uh they came up with it 853rd century because if Action Comics was, you know, day 1 ground zero for DC Comics and everything the 853rd century would have seen the one millionth monthly shipped issue of Action Comics. So that's why it takes wow. place in kind of a what might initially sound like a weird arbitrary number. So like a billion years in the future, it's right. you know, 830 some odd thousand years in the future. But it's effectively the... Justice League, uh, known as the Justice Legion A of the 853rd century, travels back in time to meet the Justice League of America, the, the modern DC timeline, so that they can bring them forward in time to celebrate Superman's return from the sun. This is one of the things that ties in with All-Star Superman, because at the end, after they fight, oh gosh... Oh, what's his name? Uh, um, the uh, the tyrant son. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember his actual name, but uh, uh, after they fight him, Superman, you know, becomes pure energy and flies into the sun to repair it. It mm -hmm. takes him that long to repair it, which is funny because All Star Superman actually came out like six or seven years after this. But Grant Morrison still laid the groundwork for it right here. Um, wow. But it's a Superman's return from the sun. He was going to come back, and they wanted to bring the Justice League forward in time to celebrate and uh, uh, meet their friend who had been missing for, for all these years. But in all of this, the Hour Man of the 853rd century, which I don't know if you read a lot of Justice League of America back then, but you remember when yeah. Hour Man was a robot? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, this this is where it where it started. It was the uh, robot oh Alman. He is actually infected with the Amazo virus, which uh, I believe it affects both organic and technological matter. Okay. So both people and like robots and everything can be infected by it. And so they've got to figure out in the future who sabotaged our man. And in the past, they got to figure out a cure. So that runs across the main series. But all the tie-in books are effectively the heroes of today interacting with the heroes of tomorrow. And a lot of them are they're generally good. They're, there's really not a bad issue in here. Uh, some of them are weird. But it's the 
ones that are unique and kind of take their own approach on it that are some of the best. The Young Justice one here is a standalone story that's effectively just them telling three different stories. So we'll get into that. But there's also an Asriel book. So I'm sure Ryan Haas is very familiar with this, where Asriel has effectively literally gone insane and just starts arguing with himself and the physical bottom embodiment of himself. And it's the dumbest thing, but it's hilarious. And then... (laughs) There's a Hitman issue, Hitman 1 million, where do you remember, you know, the Bloodlines event where a bunch of other people, you know, got powers and Hitman was one of those uh, characters? Uh, Do you remember Gunfire, the guy that can make like anything a weapon? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There's there's the gunfire of the 853rd century, and the punchline of the issue is where he turns his butt into a hand grenade. And... So if I have not sold you on this series now, I'm pretty sure I just did. Uh, yeah, you just did. And so I, I am currently looking for it right now online as, as you are speaking. Yeah, like I said, it's weird and it's a, it's a lot to read. So find, try to find it at a good price, but uh, it's, it's well worth it. But anyway, Young Justice 1 million is uh, at this point, like you said, I, I had also forgotten that, that this came this early in the Young Justice run. Uh, I thought it was maybe, you know, six or seven issues in after they've been going on mm-hmm. for better part of a year. But I was I was surprised to see it plopped in between issues two and three. And I even confirmed, yeah, it, issue two of Young Justice came out in November, or October of 98. One million came out in November of 98. So it was it was really early in that series run. Yeah, um, I had always thought No Man's Land had happened before this event. So not even. Yeah. Yeah, No Man's Land. I think Cataclysm may have been going on right around this time. Okay. In fact, yeah, because in like the Nightwing issue, I think they they're going over like some of the ruins of some of the neighborhoods of Gotham. So Cataclysm had just happened, but uh, yeah, I don't think No Man's Land had started yet. All right, we're going to take a quick promo break here, and when we come back, we will get into DC Comics 1 million featuring Young Justice. We'll be right back in a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. John Jones of Mars. Ken Matsui of Gorgar. Ronnie Raymond of Earth. Ten years ago, a crashing wave of light erupted across the DC Universe. A multicolored spectrum of energy bathed the cosmos in a war of light. Rage clashed against passion. Hope sought to stifle fear. Greed to choke out compassion. 
And in the middle of it all, the will to keep going and fight for all. Now this war has come to the surface of our planet, because while the light fights, the darkness rises. Hero, villain, friend, foe, family. Across the universe, the dead have risen, and it's going to take every available podcaster to fight back. In 2016, we covered the dawn of the Justice League with Justice League Year One. In 2017, we soaked in the seminal justice. Last year, we threw it back to the Silver Age. But this year's JLMA podcast event covers an event that knows not the boundaries of death itself. JLMA covers Blackest Night in celebration of the event's 10-year anniversary. Our coverage begins on April 30th with the podcast of Oa and proceeds through the entire month of May with Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, The Idlehead of Diablo, The Fire and Water Podcast, Head Speaks, Coffee and Comics Podcast, Longbox Crusade, Waiting for Doom, Task Force X, The Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, The Dr. DC Podcast, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, and Ends with the Lantern Cast. So join us this May, because across the DC Universe, the dead have risen. Where will you be? In 1939, Bob Kane and Bill Finger created a shadowy crime fighter steeped in the pulps and crime dramas of the time. That character was Batman. Over the next 80 years, Batman not only became one of the most popular comic book characters of all time, but also became a television and movie phenomenon, appearing in both live-action and animated projects. And then there are the plethora of video games, trading cards, action figures, and statues that have been made of him and his cast of characters. Because of this, Mike and I want to spend the next year celebrating his 80th birthday. And we're calling that celebration... The Overlooked Dark Knight Celebration of Batman's 80th Birthday. Yes. But really? Really? That That's the best name that you could come up with. You've written panels, dude, and that's the best thing you could come up with. It's accurate. Yeah, but, you know, you and I have been podcasting a long time now. That was the placeholder name. We can do better than that. Okay, what's your idea? Well, what did we call it in the first episode of this series that we've already recorded? I I really have no idea. It's a miracle that I remember what books we talked about. Well, that's fair, because I don't remember that either. Anyway, Andy and I are going to be spending May 2019 to May 2020 talking about Batman stories from all eras that we feel are either overlooked or too awesome not to talk about. We're even going to have special episodes dedicated to things like the 1989 Batman film and what issues of Detective Comics we would include in a big hardcover collection. Episodes will drop twice a month. You sure about that? 
To the best of my ability, episodes will drop twice a month at www.fortressofbailitude.com. You can also find the show on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. The Overlooked Dark Knight celebration of Batman's 80th birthday. Because everyone is doing it, but we're doing it for a whole year. The Overlooked Dark Knight is part of the Fortress of Bailey 2 podcasting network. All rights reserved. So before we get into the story, let's take a look at the credits for this that are brought to us by, I love using this resource, Mike's Amazing World. Here we go. Three, two, one, Young Justice. Recognize Superboy B04. All right, let's take a look at the information for Young Justice. This comes from uh, Mike's Amazing World. Like I said, Young Justice 1 million, cover date November 1998, the on sale date September 2nd, 1998. The cover price, the cover price, the cover price is $2.50. The editor is Eddie Berganza. The title is Just Ice Cubed. Very clever. This is a crossover event like we were talking about for DC 1 million. The writer is Peter David, and there's a lot of pencilers here. Uh, there are four Todd Newack, Angel, Nuzella, not Nutella, Nuzetta, I believe, Craig Rousenew, Robert Flores, man, I cannot be a teacher and read names. The inker is Larry Stucker, inker Norman Rampant, the inker Sean Sean Parsons, excuse me, the inker Wayne Foucher, letter Ken Lopez, colorist Jason Wright. This was reprinted in DC 1 million omnibus hardcover that Jay bought for 65 bucks. I believe it was 60 bucks. I think he said, and this, it was uh, reprinted uh, one time only in 2013, which is, is that omnibus and the cover credits go to Todd Newak and Larry Stucker. Okay. This isn't going to be much of a synopsis here as this is quite a thick issue and this is recorded after the fact that uh, Jay and I do a pretty good job of going through this book. So I'm just taking this quick, tiny little synopsis for from DC Comics fandom. And I, I've been like using some of these uh, lately. And this is just a really short synopsis of the issue. And like I said, Jay and I will go through this. A DC 1 million tie-in in the 853rd centuries, Justice Cave, Robin, the Toy Wonder, and the future incarnations of Superboy and Impulse recall how their 20th century 
century counterparts save the day in the classic almost true stories of Superboy's epic battle with Doomsday, Robin's peril during the final night, and Young Justice's battle with the Millennium Chicken. So that's the quick little synopsis. All right, so there were the credits and uh, the little recap, and we're going to kick it back over to my good buddy Jay to take us through this issue. So... The basic outline of the issue is the Young Justice members of the 853rd century meet in their lair, which is beneath the the surface of the planet Pluto. And there they have actually found a containment unit that says it contains the body of one of the original members of Young Justice, and they're trying to figure out who it is. In doing so, each of the boys, Impulse, Robin, the Toy Wonder, and Superboy, (laughs) start telling stories about their predecessor and namesake and how they were the truly the greatest heroes so obviously it would be them but in in the first two issues of uh, young justice there were some points where maybe the humor didn't work quite well and uh, some of the jokes were maybe a little off but like you said you you love this issue i think from start to back this issue is just about perfect not to say it's one of the greatest comic books ever written but it's It's perfect for what a Young Justice 1 million one-shot issue should be. The jokes land. The chemistry is there because these are effectively Robin, Superboy, and Impulse just, you know, thousands of years in the future. Even though they're technically completely different characters, they still have the personalities of the boys that we know at this point and love and care about. Their banter together and the way that they kind of annoy each other, you know, it's it still fits with them in the main continuity and the uh, the main story. So, But there's really not anything that's uh, like a dated reference, like in some of the other issues, just from start yeah. to finish. It's, it's just a great ode to great comics from the 90s. After reading this uh, the other night, I had read it twice, once prepping for the show, and then I finished it up last night. I think when some people go, ah, it's from the 90s, it reeks of the 90s, and some of the things we were saying on Everyone Loves the Drake, that for the most part, the Robin book really doesn't have that stigma of it survived the 90s and the character doesn't become as dated as going, oh, that's clearly a 90s character. Third base base. posters aside. (laughs) Yeah, third third base posters aside there. But Robin comes out of that unscathed and into the 2000s, a very viable character. I got the same feeling from this story, and it made me go, I really wish I would have read this back in 98 when it came out, as opposed to getting, I think I thumbed through it, and going, ah, Superboy with a mohawk, eh, I don't know. And you put it in my bag and board, put it in the box. So it just wasn't until, like I said, getting ready for the show that I was kicking myself going, this was so good. I hope Jay has the same feelings that I do with this. Like you said, this encapsulates the things that are good when somebody goes, ah, I don't know about the 90s books. You can read this and go, yeah, I, I get why some people do like a lot of the 90s stories. Yeah, because, I mean, it's a it's kind of a loving parody to a lot of the most popular stories of the early to late 90s. We've got Final Night and The Death of Superman and uh, Nightfall 
and the Millennium Giants. I think that's what one of them was. That's the one I was least familiar with, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what the Millennium Chicken at the end is supposed to be. But, uh, but anyway, we're jumping ahead here. But like I was saying, with just a lot of the, the banter and the chemistry going back and forth, it even starts before you get into these uh, fun little vignettes with the boys telling the stories, because the robotic Robin is excited that he's found this capsule that you know contains a original member of young justice and you know superboy's like well how how do you know and robin tries to be too smart about it saying well by the age of this and the general biological reads and (laughs) cross-referencing this that and the other thing and superboy is effectively like it wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that it says on a plaque there original member of young justice and uh robin says well uh, yes, I suppose so. Just one of those really funny things that it, it's like a timeless joke. And uh, it definitely plays into their personalities, even though these technically aren't the the characters that we're reading in the main series. They're, they're still they're still obviously supposed to represent them. And uh, Peter David writes them really well here. Oh, yeah. Their their banner back and forth is great. And even when we could get to see uh, Impulse for the first time and where Impulse is located, I thought was really clever as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I did it to what you just said. These first few pages had me hooked right from the beginning, and I hadn't even gotten to the main body of the story. We've been uh, singing the praises of Todd Nock over the past several issues, and he does the uh, framing device here with the... Uh, futuristic Young Justice members regaling each other and trying to one-up each other with stories. He does some pretty cool visual, I guess, tricks or um, stylistic choices. Like, Impulse is pure energy, and he pops out of Superboy's head, and we first see him upside down talking to Superboy, but then when you turn the page, the first panel is from Impulse's point of view, where Superboy is upside down, and his uh, speech balloon is upside down as well, which I thought was kind of clever. With you reading that on the <sighs> iPad, did that give you fits for trying to turn it upside? Did you have to lock the page to be able to read it? I, uh, <laughs> With a lot of books that do things like this, I've gotten good enough at reading stuff upside down <laughs> that I was able to get through that one panel just fine. If it had gotcha. been any more, it probably would have driven me crazy, and I probably would have had to have... Um, either busted out my physical copy of it or yeah lock the orientation but no it, so, uh, i was able to do it fine <laughs> like reading the court of the owls issue five where the book turns itself upside down that would have been a nightmare oh gosh yes in fact i read that digitally <laughs> and it was a nightmare so cool but it was yeah not easy to do on a digital device <laughs> so anyway they uh the boys go off you know arguing about who it could be i mean obviously with robin it's got to be robin because he was the best hero of the era and superboy it's going to be superboy because he's super and he's you know after the greatest hero of all time so clearly it's him and impulse is just being himself and saying well you know obviously it's impulse because you know I'm going to cheer for me and everything. And that's not a knock against impulse. I love impulse. No. It's just, he has a little bit flimsy of an excuse. And, uh, even his reasoning yeah. isn't as, as uh, hardline as the other two, but, uh, <laughs> after they go back and forth, they start, uh, 
telling each other these stories and uh, they're all illustrated by uh, different artists like you mentioned in the credits the first story is illustrated by angel umzveta and norm rapmund and it's a it's a riff on uh, the death of superman where superboy tells about how superman was fighting doomsday and ultimately died but lo a confident voice challenged him to battle and of course it was Superboy, and he effectively talks to Superboy up more than he probably deserves, <laughs> to the point that he defeats Doomsday by moving Earth out of orbit and making Doomsday just float <laughs> off. But it's a really well-illustrated little vignette here. I liked the nods to the death of Superman with the torn cape floating, billowing in the wind and everything. And uh, some really cool action shots, uh, like with Superboy flying. I'm not sure which page it is in the uh, physical copy here, but the digital copy, it's page 182. With uh, Superboy just flying toward the reader, ultimately to do what Doomsday thinks was a handstand, but uh, Superboy has outsmarted him. And then finally just kicking him out into outer space, the hero taking his well-deserved rest in front of the Daily Planet. So what what did you think about just the, the narration and the writing here? I thought it was great. And I loved, before getting into that, I love the panel layouts that they're doing here. It's not the traditional panel grids that there are triangles, there's like octagons, there's like real long elongated panels that get really fat on one side, especially the one where Superboy is kicking out of frame of the panel where his knee's down Mm -hmm. close to the Daily Planet and he's kicking uh, Doomsday off. I think that's a beautiful set of panels. And then the page right next to it where he is quote-unquote doing the headstand. The handstand, I think, is really cool where he's coming right down towards front part of the camera it's just beautiful i love the shading in that as well as far as the narrative go i i i like it there's enough of humor in it but it lands really well that superboy ends up moving the you know planet out from underneath of a uh, doomsday which i thought was really cool and clever but it doesn't come off really cheesy so this this first little vignette worked very very well and uh this was a page turner for me as I was going through like, Oh, I'm, I'm curious what's, what the Robin story is going to be or what the impulse story. So I, I, I dug it. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's even funnier because Superboy is playing it so straight with like so yes. much bravado. Like he pointed, he laughed, laughed so hard that he wasn't paying attention and you can't just help, but laugh at that just because of, you know, a, we've read the death of Superman, and we know this is not what happened at all. Right. Yeah, this is not that. It's, it was a very somber, sad thing in comics, you know, that it affected the world. But the Superboy is very boastful in this. And it's, he is the one that saved, like, totally glossing over that Superman just died. But but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is Superboy, Superboy saved the day. Superboy rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in, and to your point, too, I like the panel layouts here. I've, I've been reading a lot, uh, A, because you just should, and because he was amazing, a lot of like the Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle Batman stuff lately, oh my gosh, uh, e- yes. even before Brayfogle tragically you know passed away a few months ago. I'd been reading a lot of like the Dark Knight Detective collections they'd had and uh, a couple of others that had just been collecting their stories together. 
and uh, another Norm Brayfogle collection actually came out, and I just marvel at some of his uh, layout choices where he would, you know, have like a silhouette of Batman's face, and then within that, another scene playing out. And this isn't exactly like it, but there are some cool panels like that. Like with when Superman and Doomsday are are fighting, and instead of being just a straight, solid uh, black border, it's almost that scribbly etching. Just gives it a really cool, different feel there. So uh, good call on uh, calling that out. And then, uh, so after after that story, of course, they start arguing that that's not what happened. You obviously made all of that up, and you know they just start going back and forth. And then it's Robin's turn to tell the story, and. Uh, I'm sure I know what you're going to say, that this was your favorite, <laughs> not just, and it's mine too, not just because it's Robin, but because I think it was definitely the one that went the furthest with the jokes of all the references they were doing. Oh, yeah. And it was just illustrated so just amazingly well. This one is called Final Night, illustrated by uh, Craig Rosso and Sean Parsons. Uh, which I think they did a lot of stuff on some of the animated series tie-in comics, which I absolutely adore. And, I mean, it works because that's what it looks like. It looks like Tim Drake in the animated series world, but not the one that we actually got on the show. Right, right. So just uh, before you know, I go into just explaining everything, uh, what were your overall thoughts on this one? I think, again, not trying to put my hat on the robin hook there but this was my favorite one with all the different references that were in here there robin ends up of course being the hero here but the the final night story i always really dug that Mm -hmm. um and then just the plethora of characters that are in here i'm a sucker for kyle rayner shazam captain marvel whatever you want to call him they fit in batman's back being broken a little bit of nightfall in here got the planet eater you've got dr fate i mean there's there's just so much in this that i think really works very well and how lobo is in here and how robin is trying to convince all of the uh, members of the league to go into battle i just i think this just works so so very well yeah and if in having read the whole one million story and all the tie-ins this will stick out something that stuck out to me here and i think it's an issue of like one of the superman books somebody is talking to nightwing and asks him if they if he like ever rode around with like any knights and went to like some feudal lords or whatever like in uh, medieval times and and he, he said he points out that no, that was, you know, like three, uh, four, five hundred years before I was even born. And as someone else points out to him that, well, to them, you were born closer to that time than you were born closer to them. Because this is, you know, 830, you know, centuries in the future. So mm-hmm. a few hundred years is nothing compared to several thousand years. So having Robin mix up all of these stories fits with that theme really well. So I, I really like that. But yeah, it's uh, effectively there's the Sun Eater that causes the final night crisis, but then Batman slips and breaks his back instead of by Bane, but he just falls <laughs> right. on some ice yeah. and uh, and breaks it. So Robin has to carry him around while all the superheroes lost their powers and are falling from the sky. And even even some of just like the little jokey like visual gags are funny. 
Ike Robin says that, meantime, looting was running rampant throughout Gotham, but with Batman lying helpless in a large body cast that he'd kept in the Batmobile, <laughs> it was up to Robin to try to keep order. And lo and behold, Batman is in a full body cast with a bat symbol with on it. With a bat signal on it. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just so funny. Just a, a little funny visual cue and uh, how he's merging all of these stories together. And I mean, it's something that we do with, you know, some ancient history. It's like, oh, we think this person and this person person must have lived in the same time and we ultimately right. find out oh no person a actually died a hundred years before person b was even born so they were hardly in the the same time period just kind of a really fun touch like that i don't know if it was intentional to tie it in with that but it's just kind of a cool little theme that ties all these different tie-ins together with the uh, one million story i tell you the the gag that i like that made me laugh out loud is dr uh, Dr. Vase, Dr. Fate, putting him in the pocket universe, and there is a <laughs> big zipper. <laughs> it's a zipper. <laughs> I was like, that that single moment, I was like, okay, I need to find out what the rest of this one million universe is going to be like. I'm sure there's going to be other little nuggets like that. I know this is young, young Justice, but that little call out had me in hysterics when I was reading it, and I couldn't even effectively explain it to my wife why I thought that was funny, but a pocket universe with a literal pocket and zipper. I yeah, thought was I, I, I adorable. Just, it's just so dumb and and, yeah. and silly, but you can't help but laugh at it. But I mean, just aesthetically, I just love it. Uh, I love the simple, clean, like animated series style books. And, you know, obviously the animated series itself, just with those uh, really simple character designs and everything. So I like this uh, visual aesthetic here. And um, it was just a fun little touch. And uh, yeah, this is my personal favorite. Uh, you get a lot of shout outs and cameos from Kyle Rayner. He's my personal favorite Green Lantern. And, uh, you know, Lobo. And uh, you've got, you know, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda and Martian Manhunter and Dr. Fate. And, you know, Robin even throws a boi- bone to Superboy, who is Superboy, in, yeah. in here, too. Uh, I was looking for uh, Bart at one point. I thought, well, maybe all three of them are in here, but... The only Flash that appears is Flash himself. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, just a fun little story. And, uh, of course, the other guys you know, start, uh, start poking holes in it, saying, well, if the heroes lost their powers, how did they get them back to go back into outer space? And Robin's like, well, uh, they lost them temporarily. And that, you know, so that actually comes back into play in the final scene, which I kind of like. Uh, then the final story is Impulses, called Millennium, illustrated by Roberto Flores and Wayne Fauscher. And this is the one story that I wasn't quite... in the know about because I actually haven't read the Millennium Giant story which was running through I think a lot of Superman books and maybe even uh, Titans and a couple of others. I remember when it came out but I never actually read it so it it was when Superman was uh, Superman Red and Superman Blue. Yeah. Uh, So I remember that. This is still just another funny one where Impulse tries to play effectively himself off as the only level-headed, quick-thinking one, uh, where <laughs> Superboy is too much of a dunce to pay attention to anything, and Robin tries too hard to 
be the smart guy that he comes off as a kind of an idiot as well. But they find a giant feather, which belongs to the Millennium Chicken, which is a chicken that is several stories tall and wears a some sort of a kimono style dress and has a huge samurai sword. So what did you think of this one, Rob? <laughs> I had no idea what to make out of this. And I turned the page, the middle book. It's not like the Millennium Chicken is hidden on the back page in the middle here. And I kept glancing over like, okay, is this a thing? Is the Millennium Chicken really uh, happening here? And uh, Millennium is another one of those that I I have not read either. Uh, just sporadically, maybe an issue to here or there, but not even to really know uh, the full scope of it. But I... I was on it hook, line, and sinker as I was the other one. And just from Bart's point of view that, like you said, he's the level-headed one, and he is clearly not the level-headed one, <laughs> which I also thought was really kind of funny. But the, the chicken and the, the very end of it, too, oh, it had me wondering, which I had, had some questions for. But, yeah, I, I dug it, and I was just really scratching my head reading it, going, what am I missing in the Millennium story that I don't know? Yeah, I, I like how he that, – that's one thing. These are written like they're completely different from one another in the voices of Superboy, Robin, and Impulse, which I really like. So Peter David already has you know a good grasp on their characters and how to write them. I love just the narration of it too because Impulse is like having conversations with himself about it. Like, you guys better watch out for yourselves, said Impulse. Oh, we can do just fine. Don't worry about us, replied Superboy as they drew closer and closer to the sound. And then suddenly they looked up as they saw it and it's a giant egg coming down. So it's just funny how Impulse is trying to make it sound like a legitimate story, but it's really just a bunch of silly nonsense. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of little thoughts just all put together. Yeah, exactly. Sense to him. Some yeah, impulsive yeah. thoughts. Ah, nice. Makes, well played. That, that makes sense. Is that why he's named Impulse? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was a joke. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> okay, good. Just, just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, then uh, then it ends. I mean, they're arguing with each other, and uh, they're like, okay, let's just get this guy out of this containment unit so he can verify you know, which one of these is correct and what happened. And they all get hold of the machine and start pressing a bunch of buttons, and the containment unit opens, and they had accidentally incinerated whomever it was and burned him to dust. So they're not able to find out anything because they were all being a bunch of, frankly, impulsive idiots in trying to prove themselves right yes well played well played and then the uh, last page has them standing uh, heroically this is actually a pretty nice image even though this is a, a pretty goofy silly issue this is a cool shot of them just standing on uh, above a crater on pluto and uh, they're just talking about why it may be for the best that he wouldn't have come back anyway because he may have been brain dead after all that time and how they're just saying, oh, I was just trying to impress you with my story and going back and forth and everything. And uh, pans out to show a giant chicken foot imprint on Pluto's surface. I, I think that's absolutely hilarious that the chicken has been there all along or yes. was there at one point. Question I had with the, the last page is having not read any of the Millennium we were never supposed to have known who this Young Justice 
person was in the canister. Is that ever said anywhere else, or was it just for this story? And we're we're never made to know who it is. I, I don't think so. I think that's just the joke that uh, they they were arguing about who it could have possibly been. But it's it's the the joke was ultimately they'll never find out because of their own you know foolishness and petty competitive nature. So I not that I recall. It's it's never referred back to in the uh, in the rest of the series. This is just a fun, a fun issue. Uh, I thought this would be a nice little one-off episode to do, and this was something like I said in the beginning. I was initially going to go, oh well, I was treating it like okay, it's just going to be an annual. It's going to be something that's going to stop the main narrative of the book. But I think probably moving through for the rest of the series, if we have other little deviations and we have deviations built in with the you know, new series coming in between all these uh, classic books. Uh, this is definitely something uh, that I want to continue reading and go through uh, maybe some of the millennium stories that maybe I didn't you know really read. I think that was part of my comic upbringing. I didn't read the dark Knight returns for the longest time because it wasn't an incontinuity story. So mm-hmm. I was like, why am I going to read something that doesn't have that has nothing to do with the books that I'm reading. So in these last few years, I even talked about it on Everyone Loves the Drake that, you know, Terrence and Ryan are like, you've never read The Dark Knight Returns. I felt like I had let it go so long that I end up watching the animated movie first, and it's been talked about. At some points, I used to think at nauseam, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, let's let's get over with The Dark Knight <laughs> Returns. And then once I finally sat down and read it for myself, I was like, I... I I get it. I I understand it. But it was always one of those when it came to annuals and things like this. I was really quick to dismiss those type of things because I was wanting to read the further adventures. And sometimes it's nice to read about pirate Batman that's for no other reason or Ninja Robin or Superboy from the 800th century. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. And um I mean, this may not even technically be in continuity any longer. It's it's funny enough because some characters from the uh, One Million story have been popping up in current DC books. Like, uh, mm. I think Robin the Toy Wonder has actually been a pretty big figure in uh, Steve Orlando's The Unexpected. Wow. He's popped up in there. And Superman One Million also part of a uh, Steve Orlando story in the uh, the DC, I think it was the Nuclear Winter special that came out a few weeks ago. Nuclear Winter, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, uh, the Superman 1 million was from there. So a lot of these characters, the writers of today still clearly have an affinity for and, and an affinity for this story. So even if it's not technically part of DC's past in storytelling but or future within continuity, as it were... Um, there's still a lot of influence with it. So I would like to invite you all to join me on my next podcasting adventure, which is everyone loves DC 1 million, which will be launching <laughs> never, but you know, it would, it would, that would be right. pretty fun. And we could definitely make a podcast out of the whole series. My no. gosh. Cause there's, there's so many books here. I'm just kind of looking, I'm not going to read them all, but there's stuff from Martian Manhunter to Aquaman to Azrael, Legionnaires, Green Arrow, Power of Shazam, like you said, Hitman, Lobo's got one. Yeah, uh, Young Heroes in Love. 
One million has a story. Which Resurrection Man for whatever yeah. reason isn't in the omnibus. That's like the only issue that's really? not in there. Yeah. Huh. I don't know what it is. What's kind of cool though, and sorry that we've turned this into the everyone loves DC one million omnibus. <laughs> uh, but no, they actually included I think uh when Jeff Johns wrote a Booster Gold uh series about, you know, ten years ago or so, he did a one million issue of that, which is in here. And then there's a couple of uh stories from like the Batman Superman series and a couple of other things are in here. So it's not just from the original crossover there's uh some maybe supplemental stories that came after the series ended that still tied back into it that they included so that's kind of cool that's great but yeah uh, i mean to your point just as an issue by itself this is just a fun standalone issue that's that's funny and uh gets the spirit of the characters even if it's not directly about the characters themselves and they technically don't even make appearances because the versions of these characters are from 853rd century, but even the modern day versions of the characters in the stories they tell are so exaggerated that they're not actually those characters. But it's still just a really well illustrated and funny, well written book that just one of those good, you know what? I just want to read something that I've read before, but not get tied into a really long arc. So just plop down and read it and be done with it in about 10 minutes and enjoy yourself all over again kind of book. Yeah. Oh, what, what a great little find in here. So I think this is where we're going to end this particular episode. Yeah. If you'd like to write into the show, you can do so at elyjpodcast at yahoo.com. And we can, you can find us on Twitter at elyjpodcast. And uh, this is where we're going to end uh, this particular episode. When we come back, we should be right in the thick of some of the 2019 Young Justice. So we'll be able to go back and forth between this and we'll see what we have to say about the uh, new series coming out. So we will see you guys on the next episode. Take care. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Everyone Loves Young Justice Podcast. We are part of the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELYJ Podcast. We are also on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ELYJPod. You can email under the show at ELYJPodcast at yahoo.com and we will read your comments on the air. If you listen to the show on iTunes, leave a review there. That will help spread the word of the show and we will read your review as well. Now, if your mode has been crashed, or if you feel a bit whelmed by the show, no infringement was intended. All music and sound clips belong to their respective copyright holders. These are just to illustrate and enhance your listening experience. No coinage is, was, or will be made by this show. Our wife said so. All characters discussed on the show belong to DC Comics. The opinions on this show belong to the two chatterboxes alone. Not that anyone else does, but if you want your voice heard, let us know why everyone loves Young Young Justice. Justice.